What's up, my party people? We got uh, a whole lot of nothing to talk about. But I got some free time, design, tickety tickety time. So, uh, yeah, I want to make this shirt. So, this is my bed shirt, man. Y'all in the video can see. It looks like I'm wearing the same shirt over and over. Um, that was real professional podcast. Um, but a whole lot of nothing happened today in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Uh, the jury went into deliberation at uh, 9 a.m. They uh, took a break for the night around 5. Now, there are rumors that the United States Marshal Service has leaked, I guess you would call it a leak, because we're not supposed to know what's going on in the jury deliberation room. Uh, they have leaked to uh, an online reporter, and I can't remember which one it was, but two of the jurors are holding out on their decision due to fear of backlash. I don't know backlash from whom. I'm not gonna say. Uh, you know, they could be fearing backlash from the right wing. We know that the, the I call them left wing, but we know uh, a radical organization called some call it the American People's Revolution. Some people just call it the People's Revolu Re Revolution. Uh, these are friends of Gage Grosskreutz. And they were in the courtroom. Uh, there are other people, such as the Broham to George Floyd, who uh, went on social media, and I think he did a video saying we have cameras in the courtroom and we know who everyone is. He definitely said that. I, I just don't know what format. If it was a tweet. I think I saw a video of him saying it though. Um, now it's assumed that the left wing is going to have backlash on this. However, these could be people it's possible that they fear backlash from right-wing militias because that's all the media has talked about in this trial and that's what they've associated Kyle Rittenhouse with. So, a lot of people assume that the jury is split 10 to 2, 10 saying not guilty because Antifa, Black Lives Matter, all these radical groups uh, have vowed to riot if it's a not guilty verdict. And there's a lot of misinformation for people that have not followed this case uh, because President Biden last year on <laughs> when he came out of his basement for a minute or two. Uh, he referred to Rittenhouse as white supremacist. There's no evidence of it, but the media has taken that narrative and run with it. There are people who have just found out in the last couple of days that 
shot three, three white people. So this is a case of, actually Kyle is at, uh, I believe, half Hispanic. He's just very light skinned. Somebody told me. Well, anyhow, uh, this is basically turned into a case of, whoops, wait a minute. A white guy shot three other white guys, and he's a white supremacist because of that. Um, I, I remember the media first reporting this kid is a white supremacist because on his social media he has pictures of himself in police uniform, and he was a member of a junior police department. It's called a police cadet program. And he was an EMT cadet and a uh, fire cadet. But, <clears throat> pardon me, let me clear my throat. <clears> throat> uh, so, these are the, th this is what makes you a white supremacist in America. I mean, you shoot three white people. You wash graffiti off of a wall that was put there by Black Lives Matter and Antifa. You serve your community as a lifeguard. You join a police, fire, EMT, cadet program, programs. And that means you think you're supreme because you're a member of the white race. Now, isn't that a little reverse racism? You're saying that black kids don't want to be police officers? The left is assuming that black kids don't join fire, EMT, and police cadet programs? Ooh, I just had a light bulb. Uh, just thought that off the top of my head. But, uh, we thought the jury would reach a verdict today. I thought... The longer this uh, deliberate, deliberation went out, the worse it is for Kyle. Uh, because it, it seemed to a lot of people, a lot of attorneys, that uh, YouTube took offline in the middle of their live streams. Uh, a lot of people, even uh, there's, um, it's called, Law and Crime channel on YouTube. Uh, they have a picture of Kyle Rittenhouse, the uh, thumbnail for their live stream where I've been watching the trial because I don't want CNN or you know, some left-wing media outlet to get the uh, the view, the, you know, the viewership because they they track that. And I, I want my clicks and my likes and my uh, views to go to something that's not Democrat run, but anyhow, um, that stream, okay, their thumbnail for their live stream is picture of Kyle Rittenhouse, and it says Kenosha Killer Trial, does not say Kyle Rittenhouse Trial, it says Kenosha Killer Trial, okay. Why, why, why did I just say all that? They've been doing surveys. Uh, and it keeps, the same one keeps coming up because I think they want different results than what they're getting. 
it's over 80% of people think he's not guilty, parentheses, self-defense. And then uh, the, the rest is split between, or yeah, they think 80% of us think he's guilty, not guilty, self-defense. Then the other 20% or less are, is split between guilty and hung jury so that's not good for uh, the persecution as I call them so I think they're persecuting an innocent kid for political gain that's just my opinion but I'm going to talk about something different today instead of Kyle Rittenhouse other than that uh, this is going up on Rumble the Anchor.fm podcast platform other podcast platforms of your liking. But I guess I'm on Gab now at uh, the real underscore Big John on Parlor. It's the real Big John, all one word. And on Twitter, it's at the real underscore Big John. Every other podcast and video platform, this is Americana, the American way you're watching. Uh, we're going to talk, I'm going to talk, you're not going to talk, maybe you're going to talk to your computer, I don't know. Um, talk Alec Baldwin, Britney Spears, some other wacko. Oh, Steve Bannon, a right-wing wacko. And a little bit of Raiders and a little bit of Rasklin. So, they liked the ceremonial vitamin fortified cigar, and we'll get at it. listening to no no it ain't the Hoffa mini jam uh, that was what's called entrance music you know every wrestler comes out to the ring has to have their entrance theme and that was for a, a lady named Raquel Gonzalez that was <coughs> the music she comes down to the ring on and, you know, I got to turn my fan up because this smoke is just hovering around my head. So, uh, something I've noticed in professional wrestling lately. Uh, when I was a kid, I was talking about Ra- Raquel Gonzalez. She's a, about six foot uh, Hispanic lady. She's very muscular. Not the most muscular I've ever seen as far as women goes is, but and she's actually lost uh, quite a few pounds uh, and gotten into really uh, good shape. But uh, when I was a kid and you watched 
wrestling, wrestling, WWF, whatever, AWA, WCW, uh, Mid-South, um, World Class Championship Wrestling, whatever you grew up on. You would maybe see the women about every six months. Uh, and they were like a, a sideshow. And at one point in the mid-90s, the uh, WWF, uh, I don't know, 94, 95, they had a total of six women wrestlers in their locker room. Uh, now, I would say it's a good 20. No, more than that. But anyways... And last night on Monday Night Raw, and tonight on NXT, about half the matches involved women. And this is every week now. And the, so you had the sideshow every six months. Women would come out and wrestle a match, and they they would have a women's champion, but there was never there were never really storylines. I think. From the time I was a little kid and started it following wrestling to the mid-90s, the only storyline in women's wrestling was the build-up to WrestleMania 1 with uh, the fabulous Moolah and her wrestler Leilani Kai versus Cindy Lauper and her wrestler um, Wendy Richter. So you know Cindy was in Wendy's corner, Mula was in Leilani Kai's corner. Uh, Mula had been the women's champion for 20 some years at that point in WWF and she actually handed the belt over to Leilani Kai. So that was like one storyline in wrestling from 1985 to the mid-90s, late 90s. Uh, and then when you got in the late 90s, uh, 98 through 2002, uh, the women's wrestling, maybe up to 2010 even, it was like gimmick matches, pillow fights, dress matches. Uh, dress matches means whoever who, whoever tears the other girl's dress off first wins. Yeah, it was really male chauvinistic. Um, but then about 2002-2005, you started getting a little more into women's storylines good guys and bad guys, or I guess I say good women and bad women, heels and faces. Uh, and then, like three or four years ago, they went through what's called the women's revolution, where the women were having barn burner matches. And they were told, they were held back, they were, said, they were told don't go out there and tear the house down and make the guys look bad. So they would have to, <clears throat> talk their matches over privately and 
go through, you know, go out to the ring. Okay, go through your match. You know, practice your moves. All right, let's not BS each other. And they would actually have to do different moves, different, uh, put on a different match in practice than they actually put on on the pay-per-view. And one of the matches that, if you ever get the chance to watch it, it's Sasha Banks versus Bailey at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. And they made the guys look bad. Uh, I mean, the guys had good matches too, but the girls, Sasha Banks and Bailey, tore the house down. I mean, they were doing all the off the top rope moves, outside the ring, uh, you know, throwing each other around like rag dolls. Everything you see the guys do, they did. And that was, that was awesome. It tore the house down and stole the show. And from that point on, women's wrestling started getting taken more serious. And now they're about half the show and they're actually having wrestling matches. So that, that was an observation I had tonight uh, when I was watching this Raquel Gonzalez versus um, who's her rival now. I'll think of it later, it doesn't matter. Uh, but that's just something I picked up on in wrestling. Um, let's talk about the rate, the Raiders. The Raiders started out the season hot, on fire. They still have a lot of players that uh, are at the top of the league stat sheets. But they've been through hell the last three weeks. John Gruden, their head coach, resigned. Uh, John Gruden, in my opinion, was on the hot seat anyway. Because they just weren't winning under him. He was, he's a hothead, he's a male chauvinist, he's, uh, he's kind of a distraction, really. Um, and out of 650,000 emails, the NFL released 10 emails that he sent to, uh, to and fro with the Washington Redskins owner, Dan Snyder. Uh, he talked bad about the head of the NFL Players Association. Uh, he called the uh, uh, commissioner of the NFL a gay slur. Um, he made a racially insensitive remarked about the Players Association's lips. And so that kind of went, that happened on like a Thursday or Friday. He met with his team. The black players kind of came out and defended him and said, well, he's cool with me. He don't talk to me like that. He don't say anything racist to me. Uh, other friends of his who were black said, he's not racist. He just was pissed off at this dude. Alright. Can't excuse, you know, racial 
epitaphs and gay slurs. Then uh, some more homophobic and misogynistic remarks came out on Tuesday. And finally he was forced to resign. Now he is saying that The league and the commissioner forced him into resignation. Uh, the Raiders, first the owner, Mark Davis, said, ask the NFL, they have all the answers. Uh, then Mark Davis and the general manager came out, Mike Mayock, came out and said, look, you know, the Raiders have always stood for diversity and, uh, you know, all this you know, the Raiders had the first Hispanic head coach, Tom Flores, who finally got into the Hall of Fame. They had the first black head coach who was already a Hall of Fame uh, player. And they never bragged about this stuff. They just went out and did it. Uh, I don't know if it was Art Rooney or his son, Dan Rooney. But one of the Roonies, the owners of the Steelers, made the quote Rooney rule when the league in the 90s was in uh, a tizzy that there weren't enough black head coaches. So the Roonies <clears throat> presented a rule known as the Rooney Rule, that you have to interview at least one minority for a head coaching job. And then when their head coaching position came available, they hired Bill Cowher, a white guy. Talk about leading by example. Rules for ye, not for me, right? So back to the Raiders. A week after John Gruden resigns, their top wide receiver, great future, guy was just starting to come into his own as a professional football player, uh, a, the fastest guy in the NFL, people say, crashes his Corvette into a uh, Toyota RAV4. He's lucky to be alive. Uh, the, the vet was tore to pieces, but uh, the way it's made, the driver's compartment, uh, it's basically made so the rest of the car can shatter and the driver's compartment is protected. But uh, the, he killed a woman in the RAV4. It caught on fire. She allegedly burned alive. Ooh, burned to death, however you want to say it. Um, people were saying that you could hear her screaming. Ooh, just tragic. He, his life is now over. Uh, he's going to jail for a minimum of five years, I think. Um... That's the minimum sentence if these charges stay the way they are. Um, and he could get up to 20 years in jail. Uh, and I see pictures of him not making excuses for 
drinking and driving or going 153 miles an hour on a residential street, but needless to say, I, I see a broken man. When this happened, uh, Raiders quarterback Derek Carr came out and took almost took responsibility for it. He's like, man, I wish he would have called me at midnight and said, come get me, or, you know, I wish I could have talked to him that night, or, and all this stuff. And this Derek Carr puts so much pressure on himself, uh, it's unreal. Then the following week, uh, their uh, first-round cornerback, they had two first-round picks in the 2020 or maybe it's 2019 draft, whatever it was. Uh, the other first round pick from that year, uh, David Arnett, gets released by the team because the I don't I really don't know why if it was for attitude reasons, if it was just crappy play, um, you know. And of course, hindsight is 2020. The Raiders had opportunities to take other players who were potentially slightly better than these guys uh, in that same draft. Uh, and they chose to pick these two guys. And that's the thing I had against John Gruden. It seemed like he gambled with a lot of draft picks. Uh, took a lot of underdog players, players that people thought aren't going to work out, aren't going to make the team. Well, not that they weren't going to make the team. Ruggs and Arnett were, uh, <clears throat> were top-notch players in the draft. Uh, but there, was, there were two or three, two other wide receivers that have been having better years up to this point, had better rookie years anyway, than Henry Ruggs. And that's okay. Sometimes it takes a little while. And John Gruden doesn't really like to play people, even if you're really good, right off the bat. He's kind of weird like that. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, he drafted Cle uh, Cleland Farrell when everyone else thought that the Raiders should have taken a defensive end from University of Kentucky. Uh, just a lot of strange draft picks. And Mayock and Grunoy said, well, you know, we saw something in this guy. We think he's going to be just a little better than what people uh, say he is. Stuff like that. Uh, you can't blame him for picking Henry Ruggs. Uh, the other guys that were in that, other wide receivers in that class that they could have picked <clears throat> were actually the underdog players that came out later on and people said, well, this guy's not quite as fast, maybe a, a tenth of a second slower, but he's, he's good. Maybe the Raiders will take him. Uh, Jerry Judy was one of them. Uh, but, you know, they talked about drafting young guys with class and character, and it's like, you know, Damon Arnett, a woman after Henry Ruggs had his car crash comes out and says 
well, you know, Dave, Damon Arnett wrecked his car with me in it, and I didn't, you know, nobody cared. Well, the team knew about it. it wasn't that bad of a wreck, but they they cut Damon Arnett a couple days after that came out. So the Raiders have been through a ton of off-field problems. And this week, it showed on the field. Uh, they were supposed to... I thought they would beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Because the Chiefs had not been playing like the Chiefs for the last few games. And so... I thought this was a slam dunk uh, win for the Raiders. Come out of this, all this controversy and go forward. Didn't work out that way. So I think Mike Mayock should have one more draft class. I think the Raiders can still pull their season together and pull it out. Um, they did get a wide receiver. Deshaun Jackson, who I'm not a big fan of, just because he seems to be somebody that can be a problem, makes a lot of dumb mistakes on the field. Um, like, he caught a Hail Mary pass from Derek Carr right when they needed a big play, and I'm like, yes, this is why they brought Deshaun Jackson in. I was wrong. And then Jackson, instead of turning to his right and continuing downfield he tries to make a spin move to his left the defender pops the ball right out of his hand fumble chiefs take the momentum back and they're, they're off to the races it ends up being a route so people are going same old raiders this and that um but the Raiders have a young team that's really tight. They're really close together. And so it's that closeness that may pull their season out for them. So I think they can still make the playoffs. They have to win a lot, of, like almost the rest of their games, uh, especially if they want to win the division. But Derek Carr's got to chill out and stop putting so much pressure on himself. Uh, so that go that's that goes how that goes. I'm gonna end this podcast and uh, start a new one to talk about Alec Baldwin, Britney Spears, and uh, Steve Bannon. So with that, with that, thank you guys. God bless you. Pray for each other, and I'll see you next time on Americana, the American way. Mm-hmm.